it's time to turn out the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horrible horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve into the world of terrible horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these horrible movies. So if you've made a horror movie on your phone, or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now, what happens when you're a man of the people, and you allow them to pick the next movie that you're going to review? Why you get asshole followers like Restart Over a Team that make you watch 666, The Demon Child. Oh god, why do I own this on DVD? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Terrible Terror Podcast. This week, wait, one second, before we begin, did that theme song sound like something familiar to you? It kind of reminds me of... Yeah, doesn't it sound exactly like this? I mean, it's close. At least, it definitely sounds like the bombing run theme from Final Fantasy VII. I mean, come on, guys. Already, we're starting this movie and you're already plagiarizing shit. Like, really. And that song... God damn you hear that song constantly in this fucking film. Uh, like I said in my intro, thank you to uh, good old Restard. As you might also know him as, the Fear Merchant. He was on an, uh, the first of the two bonus episodes that I've done. Uh, and he bided his time and found a way to become follower number 500 and forced me to watch this awful movie that I also happen to own on DVD. Remember we talked about this before, or I should say I talked about it to you guys before, um, those old days of Hollywood video and video stores and going there and closing down, well, they were definitely closing down the one next to us and... This is another one of those movies from that pile <laughs> that we picked up just because the cover looked so horrible. Uh, and my God, is this a bad movie? I mean, it's hard to find redeeming things about this film as you're going to figure out as we go through the review. But I'm just going to give you a warning up front. The audio quality is terrible. If you actually do try to watch it, the video quality is pretty fucking terrible. I mean, it gets so dark at times that it's very difficult to understand what's going on. I guess that's why there's not a whole lot of, like, action scenes in this movie. And the ones that you get to see are so laughably bad that they're actually kind of enjoyable. I mean, it's one of the few things, I guess, that you can enjoy from the film as a whole are the two big climactic... They're not climactic. They're just action scenes. They're people doing shit. Honestly, the baby's attacking people. Oh, God. Now, I wanted to do this review with a giant bottle of uh, Tennessee honey, but I decided maybe I should be, you know, sober to actually go through this whole thing. It was already difficult to go through the movie in general, uh, and it's been a while since I've seen this flick. I, I mean, we literally bought it, I think in 2008 and this movie is from 2004 and it's written and directed and produced basically by the same guy 
And that guy is Kerry Howe. Now, when I looked up what he had done before on his IMDb page, he's actually done quite a few cool little things. I mean, he was part of the special effects team for The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, doing miniatures and models. He also worked on Freddy's Dead, That Final Nightmare, and also Friday the 13th Part 7, The New Blood. And uh, a couple of the different things. You know, he's done a couple of other director uh, pieces, I guess. He's been the director of Star Force, something from 2000. And, of course, this... I don't even know if you can call it a magnum opus. But this is definitely kind of like his, I guess, love child, you could call it. Which is 666, the demon child. Now... Supposedly he won an Emmy too, but I couldn't really find out what the Emmy was for. So you're watching an Emmy-winning person directing this god-awful straight-to-the-bargain-bin <laughs> horror movie. And it's really weird. And what I want to do before I even start the review, and I posted a little image of this, but I want to actually read to you the full review uh, of that little snippet. And this is really going to set the tone for the full review that's going to come after I finish reading the review from this author. So, the title of it is, You Thought It Was Bad Watching It. And he gave it one star. And uh, he says, Try being one of the actors in it. I played Daryl, and thank God I died first. It was being shot all through the night in Arizona, 100 plus degrees at night in August. I must agree, the acting was horrible for the most part. The characters that did well, I thought, were Karen and Steve. Other than that, the rest of us were horrible, including myself. I never did get paid for my role, and it's a good thing. Otherwise, I'd be compelled to give that money back. Having said that, and basically apologizing to those that spent the money to rent it, it was a great experience, and I had the opportunity to work with great people. Carrie, the director, had very little budget for this film. His concept was great, but he had no technology and very little time to complete. Just about every night we heard, if I don't get this scene now, we're going to have to bag it. A lot of the scenes were one takes, and it showed. I looked like George the Monkey driving the RV, and some of the lines were so mechanical, I wasn't close to being real. To be honest, it was great fun to make, but painful to watch. Carrie's a really nice guy, but I hope he gets more support and better actors in the future. It's kind of fun to know that I was probably the worst movie of all time. So I guess I will be famous for that. Watch just for the novelty of it, but don't watch to compare it to real horror films or to be spooked. Enjoy, Daryl. So we get a lot of insight directly out of that. And especially if there were a lot of time constraints, and it really does show... When you look at the way things are done, and you even look at the way that some of these guys act. And there is one actor, and I'm not trying to single anybody out or do anything or make any weird thoughts about it. But there's one guy that cannot remember his fucking lines to fucking save his life. Like, he does it, and I guess you really show, like, one of the questions I asked, was this done in the first take? And honestly, it sounds like it was, based upon this review. Just because... Uh, there's really no time for him to complete shooting the rest of it. So I'm going to take it with a little bit of a grain of salt, just kind of knowing these things, at least from the inside actor that played Daryl. But at the same time, my God, this is, 
this is probably one of the well it's not necessarily the most difficult film to get through because there's plenty in it to at least make you laugh right but there's not necessarily enough in it to make you be like oh okay well it's it's got a redeeming quality to it i i just well let's begin the film so we start off with what seems like the longest like segment if you really had such little amount of time why would you shoot something so fucking long here and you basically see an old native american man and he's walking through the desert uh and he's walking through the desert then he's walking through the desert and he's walking through the desert and he keeps walking through the desert this goes on for close to i think i clocked it in about five six minutes and this is just the intro and this is not the intro with the music playing over no 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 this is just after you've heard that music that i played the the final fantasy 7 sounding music you just watch him walk along the desert i mean that's what they do i guess out there um and at least in the version that i was watching the sound kept cutting in and out during this and i'm just like is there anything actually going on are they saying anything are we just missing sounds of the wind that's basic actually what what we're missing really um i did watch two different versions of it uh and i kept kind of bouncing between the two to see when it was better you can find two full versions of this film on youtube so if you really want to right now i would say you know pause this and watch it that's the thing I'm going to say before anything, really with the review. You can go on with the review, do what you want if you plan not to watch it. But if you're really interested in seeing something truly, truly indie uh, and see what uh, that review was talking about, I would pause it here, go watch it on YouTube. You're going to have a bad time because uh, that quality is really crappy. Even with the sound, there's two versions that I found. One had better sound but worse video and the other one had decent video it still wasn't very good uh but the sound sometimes goes between channels but the one that had the better sound sometimes the sound completely cuts out on it like there's one scene and they're talking then all of a sudden it goes and then all of a sudden it comes back in the middle of a conversation and you're like what does it do that and i really thought oh maybe it's just this shitty quality of the video but no, it's the sh- shitty quality of the YouTube video. Uh, because in the other version, which has the sound maybe sometimes a little clearer, but it tends to be only in the left side or maybe in the right channel, uh, that one actually had everything intact. So bouncing between the two, it was difficult, but you get a kind of feeling, I don't know, you can understand it a little better. Choose the one that you want, uh, go through it, watch it, do it. Okay. So, back to the film, after I've gone on that little tangent. Uh, so, he's carrying stuff, and you don't quite know what he's doing. He goes into this field, and it looks like some undead cows try to come after him. He says something gibberishy, and I'm not sure if it's actually, like, Native American dialect. Uh, you know, whether it's, say, like a Cherokee dialect, or other Native American tribe dialects that... I don't know. Uh, <laughs> maybe you hear something different. Uh, or if it's truly just gibberish. Like he's just... Kalima! 
Like, seriously, that's what he sounds like he says. Because the the little goat thing, or not goat things, but the cow things try to come after him and then they back up. And he's able to actually get away from him. He then goes over to this, like, circular disc that's got the image from the very beginning of the film. And he holds up something from his neck against it. And there's the worst animation in the world. And going back to that, he had no technology because this definitely was placed there some point on top of the, like, layered on top of the film because it's so bad that it's, again, it's laughable. And he crawls into the cave. And then uh, when he crawls into the cave, he sees a bunch of eggs and he actually speaks in English for the very first time. Just like Mortal Kombat, it has begun! Okay, he kind of does sound like Shang Tsung from the W.S. Anderson Mortal Kombat movie, doesn't he? But this is really the only time you're going to ever hear him talk, and you're only going to see him maybe once more again, because now we're going over to our main characters of the film. And right away, we meet Stephen Karen. And, uh, well, hey Steve, what are you feeling about women drivers? Guess what? Women are bad drivers. Never let them drive. Ha 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 ha. I'm pretty sure there's somebody I know that uh, will definitely agree with that. Uh, but this is our introduction to the, I guess you would say, who the two main characters of the film are Karen and Steve. There's, of course, more that are available there. I mean, you've got the professor and Ginger and. Oh, wait. No, no, no. You just got the professor and Daryl and Jackie and. God, why the life of me? I can't remember the other person's name. Uh, well, old man, <laughs> Gene, Gene is the other person's name. See, I knew I would remember it while I was talking on the podcast. So they're all inside of this truck and well, it's an RV really. And they're driving down the road and, uh, they're going somewhere and nobody really knows where, but eventually, uh, Daryl asks, Scott, or Bryce as he's known. See, he's known by a couple different names. And I could have sworn he called him Tim at one point. Uh, Bryce uh, is basically taking them on what would be like an expedition, right? And you have uh, Daryl. He begins to ask, you know, basically, you've taken us this far. Now you've got to show us the goods. What are they? A ring, an armband, and a dagger. You mean a short sword, don't you? Go ahead, pick it up. You're into ancient weapons. That's why I invited you along. What is this? A dagger for ants? I mean, giants? <laughs> I mean, that's seriously what it is. They've got a big-ass sword. Uh, they've got a what he's calling an armband and what he calls a ring. But they're all really huge. And I guess these are the things that he's been kind of hiding and he's been discovering uh, over the period of time, and it comes from some place within Arizona. That's what we're led to believe. At least we know that this is shot in Arizona. They don't necessarily say it's Arizona, but I'm gonna assume because of the landscape, because of where they are, it's not generic desert number five. We're in fucking Arizona. 
So they're trying to figure out what uh, is up with these weapons, and they ask them, well, Bryce asks them, what does he think is wrong with them? What is wrong with this one? Well, the grip is too big. Like twice at least. It's too long. Would have been pretty useless. Maybe decorative? No, it's, it, it has wear from use. Doesn't make sense. All right, well, what about the other items? Oh, this first thing can't be a ring. I can fit two fingers in it. What about the other band? Well, Jackie here could use it as a waistband. You're sweet. If it was an armband. Well, then the guy who wore it would make Blue Frigna look like a 98 pound weakling. Or. Or he's 12 feet tall. Okay, so we have a Lou Ferrigno joke. Really? Like, you really kind of thought that that would be funny? It's not that funny. I, I just don't know. There's a bunch of these types of things, at least at the beginning of the movie, right? They're trying to establish the characters. Oh, look at them. They all know each other. They all talk like this. And then you make a Lou Ferrigno joke, and you're like, Oh, okay. Well, I guess it's from 2004. So, I guess that joke works. Uh, but anyway, so they continue on. Somebody made these as a joke. I mean, they're nice fakes, but they're fakes. Well, this is where we get to the shocking part. That wasn't the shocking part. I've had them dated. Here we go. The oxides are at least 500,000 years old. Probably older. I hope you saved whatever you're smoking, because I'm going to need a hit. (laughs) Look, I've had these tested at three different labs, and I prepared the samples myself. Look, they may be old. I mean, maybe even a few thousand years. Nobody was working metal a half a million years ago. Well, no humans were. So, as you can definitely tell, and definitely based upon our review from earlier... That acting is incredibly stiff. Daryl, I mean, he's just kind of going through the motions of delivering the lines. There's no real interaction between the two of them. And the guy that plays Bryce or Scott or whatever the fuck his name is, the professor, he is so unnatural in front of the camera. I mean, it's seriously like if I put my father and put him in front of the camera and said, Dad, repeat these lines. That's the way my dad would do it. Like, it seriously is just... He must have been a friend of somebody's and somehow got into the, the set. And they were like, hey, we need an old dude to be the professor. Let's go for you. But I can't really act that well. It doesn't matter. We really need to fill this role. So so you got a guy that's just so... Uh, I, I, I want to say stiff, but there's got to be a better word for that. I mean, it's he's... If Wooden were an emotion that you could like express through this guy like you would just point it at it in the dictionary and he would be that specific actor right there and i know it's bad because when you especially when you do like 
I should say bad to say, it's an independent film. So these guys, they're not asking for a lot of money. They're basically doing these movies just so they can get it out of the way. They all can't be Catherine Heigl and go directly into Bride of Chucky, and that's your claim to fame, right? They have to go through something. So, you know what? Uh, I'm doing this for very little money. I'm getting my foot in the door. Maybe I can be in some other type of horror flicks, and I'll start at the independent level. And if I don't have the chops, then maybe I do something different. I get it, but he's just the wrong guy. Like how the director or, or casting director could be like, man, you are good. You are really good. You could be our professor. That's how good you are. Like it seriously is. Will you work for 1995 plus travel? Yeah. Okay. You're fucking hired. Like that really seems like how he was hired for this film. The other thing that you kind of get at least within this scene, is you see that Steve and Karen, they know about the professor's stuff. Like, they know exactly what he's done because he's, you get that, oh, here we go again. Like, he's telling his old wives stories that nobody other fucking person believes, right? And he's, I guess, but somehow everybody knows everybody in this trip. So I don't know if these are all like college students and that's their professor. And he's like, I'm taking you guys all out on an adventure and we're going to go and we're going to find whatever belongs to, uh, you know, hopefully we find the giant bodies that, uh, you know, make up <laughs> the the owners of these things that I found that I'm hiding from people yet I've had tested. So after he's pulled out the weapons, he decides that, hey, I've got another thing I can pull out. And he pulls out basically what kind of looks like a jaw of some human being. He shows it to Karen, and he asks her to explain what she thinks is weird about this piece of a historic fossil. What's wrong? The teeth. They look modern. They look human. With two rows of teeth. A birth defect? Check it out. Pick it up. That is impossible. It has to be modern. No, I, I had this dated also. It belongs to the same period as the other artifact. Artifacts and weapons are one thing, but gold dental work is crazy. So, the guy has gold teeth. So, what does that mean? Like, he needed to have that extra bling for his mouth way back 500 million years from here? And the fact that they worked with metal when they weren't supposed to work with metal is also kind of alarming. But the fact that they've got two rows of teeth, nobody seems to really give a shit about that. They all care about the fact that he's got gold fucking teeth. Let the guy have something in his mouth to show off to the rest of the people. Maybe that part of their culture was that, you know, they did that so they can get the women's. You know, you first you get the gold teeth, then you get the power, then you get the women. We know the way this works, okay? Scarface taught us the right way to do everything. So, the other thing I should mention here is I don't know when the van actually stopped because everybody goes into the back. And at that point, it's like, okay, well, we've all got to start moving along. So they go back and Steve starts driving the car even further because there's a rest stop or something that the professor knows is coming up very soon. We cut back at, over to Old Man, as he's credited as, and uh, who will refer to him as for the rest of this film. Because this is the only other time, really, that you're going to see him for the rest of the movie. Because he comes out, he... I don't know if he slips and falls and loses the two eggs. He's carrying two eggs with him. Uh, 
or if he purposely throws them into the road, or what the fuck he does, because uh, he, he... Basically, yeah, he trips and he falls and he throws the eggs into the road and then he starts to walk after them. And then there is that really horrible reactionary shot, you know, that you get in like uh, those comedies. Guy walks down the road and is like, oh, here comes the car. Yeah, well, the car comes and then it just cuts. And all of a sudden he's underneath the car. Like you hear the scream of that happening, but they don't even have the audacity to show the guy getting hit by the car. I mean, just throw a fucking like dummy body in front of him, right? It may look comical, but at least you see the guy getting hit. Instead, he's like kind of under there. Uh, The eggs somehow did not get run over, but he managed to get ran over. So they're trying to look after him, figure out what's going on. We see Dylan actually look at one of the eggs and take it into the car. And Karen and Steve, uh, unbeknownst to everybody else too, I should say at this point, but Karen and Steve go on because the the rest stop is very close by and they go to see uh, if there's a phone that they can use. When they show up, they question whether or not they should actually say anything about it. And in my head, I was just like, well, I mean, you weren't really paying attention. You kind of murdered a guy. Maybe you should say something about it. But supposedly he's still breathing, so since he's just kind of hurt, yeah, again, say something about it. Don't just fucking go in there and be like, hey, this old man, he was just lying in the middle of the road and I accidentally ran out. I mean, uh, I decided not to pull over and make sure I don't hit him. That's it. Yeah, that's the ticket. I didn't hit that guy and cause him to bleed internally. Oh, I mean, so they basically go in, they tell him, hey... Do you have a phone that we can use? And we get the worst actor of the movie. Sorry we didn't hear the car. It's down the road. Can we use your phone? Apparently it won't do any good. Been promising a phone for 30 years. We haven't gotten this far. Look, the old man stepped out in front of us. He's hurt pretty bad and we're afraid to move him. You can't leave him on the road all night. Maybe I can help. You wouldn't happen to have a truck we could borrow. Won't do any good. This is new starter. Look, we're afraid to move the guy. I can't help you get him inside. Is your car drivable? It's a motorhome and he saw the worst of it. There's a, a hospital 30 miles from here. Maybe you can go for help after we get him back. Maybe we should just take him there. The road's pretty rough. If he's hurt as bad as you say he is, the drive might kill him. Okay, we better get back. That guy's acting is just all over the goddamn place because he tries to be, like, smart about things and he tries to do the emotional inflections and and he tries to do his best. I'm going to be straight and honest with you. It's just not good enough. It really is, you know, <laughs> it's like sometimes how I review things and how I say things here. Oh, God, what does that say about me? Am I just a shitty... No, 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 I'm not, I'm not. I'm better than that guy in every fucking way. But he really does put the wrong inflections in the wrong places. Like, you want him to maybe sound like he's worried about what's going on. Oh, so, uh, that guy, uh, he's hurt? Oh, you know there's a, uh, a hospital uh, a little ways down. And I'm not really trying to mock the guy's voice because... I have a feeling that they did hire two, you know, legit Native Americans, even though he kind of looks like Lou Diamond Phillips. Like, I almost thought about La Bamba while I was watching him do his thing. But I understand that you may want some sort of, like, authenticity to the role, 
but maybe you should get somebody that is better <laughs> than what this guy is. So they decide that they're going to go over to him and they bring him with him. Then the old man, he starts spouting again some words uh, that are guessed in the Native American language. And uh, they consider it to be crazy talk. What's he saying? Bad. Yeah, but do you know what he's saying? Just some crazy talk. I can't make it all out, but some of it sounds familiar. What part? That one word he keeps repeating. It sounds like an old word for apocalypse. I can't understand everything, but... I swear he just said he ended the world. Like I said, crazy talk. Okay, so... If this guy's talking... One, how does Karen know exactly what the guy is saying? Oh, I've just studied this stuff. Really? You've studied that language before? And when things happen later in the film, you kind of like, what? Like, she's automatically saying he's talking about apocalypse and talking about ending the world. And you're just going to be like, cool, um, let's go back to your place and put him in there. Like, seriously, that's just what they do. They just totally gloss over the fact that that's going on and they go back and try to regroup inside of the uh hut or not hut i don't want to say hut it's like a rest stop that's there and inside they find another fossil where there's a giant hand but it's got looked like extra fingers on it and they realize that that also is probably about a half a million years old and you know what i don't get about it is they say <laughs> one of my favorite lines in the movie he says I can't be exact, but I think it's about 500 million or 500,000 years old. Not 500 million, 500,000 years old. Like, I can't be exact, but here's an exact number. Like, you don't even say about. You just say this is what it is, and it's ridiculous. And then we get again to one of my favorite reasons why this guy is a bad actor, because he can't remember his lines. And a second ago you heard, well, there's a hospital that's 30 miles away, but... See if you can make out in this clip exactly how far that hospital really is. Well, he's resting in my bed. You guys go for help. Maybe he might make it. Where's this hospital you're talking about? Oh, about a mile further. Take a left and just keep going. And the road gets pretty rough, but don't let it scare you. It's 30 miles, but it'll take you an hour to get there. Isn't there a better road? There is, but it'll take a day. Okay, so remember they said 30 miles. And then at the beginning of this clip, what did he say? It's going to be, it's about a mile away. Okay, and then he goes, oh, well, you can take the, the rough road. It'll take you faster. It'll still take you about an hour or, or so to get there, right? It's 30 miles away. Wait, didn't you just say it was a mile? Now you're saying it's 30 and it's going to take you an hour to get there because the road's rough. So which is it? Is it 30 miles away or is it a mile away? Like, is it 30 miles? Is it a mile to the turnoff and then it's 30 miles to the hospital? Or it's a mile to the hospital? Like, this is one of those things where I think that he just didn't quite remember his lines. So he said what he said and that was the best take. And they were like, fine, he fucked up five times. Uh, I really need to do this because if I can't do this, this movie's fucking dead in the water. So let's just continue. So, we go back into the RV, and Steve tries to drive the RV. 
But of course, he can't trust anybody. Well, he can't trust any women to drive. So Daryl takes over and he starts driving it away. As they're driving along the road, Jackie, she decides, oh, I'm going to go into the back and I might freshen up a little bit. And she finds out that Daryl has stolen something. What the hell? I was just waiting until we got back on the road. I thought maybe someone might have a bright idea to leave it. Where'd you find it? It was beside the road. I think the old man was carrying it. So you stole it from the guy we hit? I don't know for sure. I thought it was his. What was he going to do with it? Make a giant omelet? Okay, haha. There's again that humor there with that mechanic delivery. Uh, who the fuck steals from somebody they just fucking hit? Like, he got knocked down, uh, well, he got ran over by the fucking RV. He probably was a lot worse off than what we're actually led to believe. But, for the most part, he's stealing from that guy. Like, you know, we all thought it, okay? We were all like, look, there's the egg, what would you really do? Come on, you know you would take it. You'd grab that fucking egg and you'd make sure, then you'd stomp that old guy's face in and like, I'm taking your shit, I'm taking... I mean, uh, no one would ever do anything like that. You would just leave it there like you fucking should have, okay? You, why? You just think, wow, uh, I could write a great dissertation about this egg, so I'm just gonna take it. Well, it doesn't take very long also for that egg to hatch once they discover that it's in the RV. Oh, I wish we could x-ray it. I'd give a lot to see what's inside it. I don't think we have long to wait. I didn't see this crack here before. Which one of you clowns broke my egg? Watch the road. No one broke your damn egg. <laughs> what the hell is So, of course, the egg hatches at this point, and we get the worst sound effects for this demon baby that I have ever heard. It's literally like somebody took a soundboard, right? One of those DJ soundboards, and they had a bunch of sounds on it, and they're like, fuck, what am I going to do? How am I going to make this thing? Okay, I got squealy sound effect, I got baby crying, I got baby laughing, I got uh, monster demon voice, and I got, uh, let's see, uh, egg egg hatching, egg hatching. Okay, so I know I got to do the egg hatching part first, so I'm going to press that button first, and it's going to, you know, egg hatching. And then all of a sudden, uh, fuck it, I'm going to press all five at the same fucking time, and I'm going to just keep fucking pressing it, and I'm going to miss the demon maybe every once in a while. So the most of the time that you're going to hear is just baby cry. That's the fucking baby's fucking noise the entire fucking time you hear him, and it's really fucking annoying. It's horrible. Every time the baby shows up, that's what you hear. You hear a little bit of the demon in the beginning. And then it's... It's like dogs and cats fucking fighting the entire time. Every fucking time that this fucking baby demon that looks like... It looks like mashed up dog sh- You know the shit demon from fucking Dogma, okay? Take that. Take that color and that, te- like, that, the way that the bumps are on, the costume and everything like that. But then put a fucking, like, vampire fangs with these two big fucking eyes and maybe this kind of horn thing. And that's the fucking demon baby, okay? You really did not have a budget because that thing looks like crap. The egg things 
actually look kind of neat. Like, the way that they look, how they're incubated, all that type of stuff looks kind of neat. But the demon itself is just so bad, and it right away goes after Daryl and fucking starts, like, chomping down on his neck and basically kills him right then and there. Uh... I know at one point, though, that when the egg started hatching, and then I didn't realize it until I went back through the movie, I didn't think the RV actually stopped. Like, I thought Daryl actually just jumped to the back and went ahead and the RV just continued. But in that clip, uh, Jackie does say to pull over. And so I know that it actually did really stop, which is, you know, it was more of like a pet peeve of mine that got cleared up. The other thing is that Jean, she was realizing that something was wrong with that egg before they actually did anything. So she was kind of freaking out and you got one of her little freakouts in there. But for the most part, poor Daryl there just bites the dust and he's the first one, thankfully, to be out of this film. Unfortunately, though, he does get dragged out of the bus by the demon baby, and Jackie, of course, wants to help him. Help him! He's dead. No, he isn't. Can you tell leave him out there? What do we have for weapons? We have rock hammers and brushes. We weren't expecting you. No hunting! We've got picks and shovels and the storage bins. Under the rig! Yeah, they're around the back. What do we have inside? We have kitchen knives. Also, they happen to have a machete that Steve grabs. Now, we get one of the best things in this film uh, (laughs) that is incredibly laughable, and that is baby cam. That's right. You get baby demon POV as he's going around the RV and on the outside, and because Steve steps outside with a machete, and then it starts just gnawing the shit out of his ankle. And a little fucking ankle biter. And he's able to actually get away. Which is amazing because Daryl, he couldn't get away at all. And Steve happens to be the macho man of the group and is able to shake him off while he's biting the shit out of his leg. Uh, the baby also manages to get through one of the windows. But they're able to knock him outside before the baby can cause any more type of disturbance. They start driving away. And at this point in my mind, I'm, I'm like, is the baby going to pull a Robert De Niro Cape Fear type thing and like hook himself or even a Sideshow Bob type of thing and hook himself to the bottom of the car as they try to run away? And kind of, <laughs> he does manage to hang on to the car and he, that's when he starts trying to come in through the window, right? As they're driving away. This causes Steve to make a rash decision saying that he's only got one way and one shot that he can get the baby off their tail. Where are you going? It may be a demon, but it's still a newborn. It's trying to down the shit on your leg. It's not a baby. I may not be able to kill it, but I can get rid of it. Look, you take care of them, okay? Don't stop for anything, okay? We may have one shot at this. So, old man Bryce, or old professor, or whatever the fuck his name is, uh, he's the one now driving the RV as they're trying to get away, and they just fucking left Daryl's body in the desert for anybody to fucking eat. And uh, the blonde that's in the car, the one that's Jean, uh, she's completely fucking useless. I I really don't know why the character's in the film, other than to be fodder for the demon baby. 
Now, Steve, he's actually one of the few guys that actually does things. He goes onto the top of the roof of the car, and he manages to have an epic struggle. When I mean epic, it's really a horrible struggle with the demon baby. The demon baby really looks terrible from far away. I mean, even up close, when they do the up-close shots of the face and stuff, at least I could be like, okay, I get it. But the baby is so bad, it looks like... Like, it's Gumby. Like, it's made from that material that Gumby used to be made of, and it just flaps all over the fucking place. And then he's on top of the RV, and to simulate that they're driving, what they do is they're blowing smog up top, or like smog. They're blowing fog, not smog. Uh, and then there's, a, of course, there's obviously a fan that's blowing it past him. But it, when they start, they put it behind the fucking RV. It's not up in front of him, so it doesn't look like it's moving. It's just coming up from the back. And it obviously, somebody's shooting it up into the fucking air, right? When they do it later, when they, not much later, but when they do it in a couple seconds when he's finding the baby, it's coming from the right side of the screen and going across the left side of the screen. Yeah, so they're fucking moving, right? They're not just standing still. Where the other one just looks like, okay, it's up in the air. And it's going that way. Uh, It's going the opposite way that they'd be traveling on the RV. So it's just, again, you know, low budget, like they said, virtually no budget. And the fact, the matter that uh, there's no effects uh, for you to be able to see what's going on. I mean, even when they're driving the RV, they're quote unquote driving, they're just kind of sitting in the front. And they're not really doing anything. They're not really going anywhere. Like, they're just kind of shaking the wheel. Like, it, I, I really wish there was a visual medium I could give you right now because I'd give you my impression of it. But in general, they're just fucking not doing anything. And it doesn't look like anything's going by because there's not even stuff that's going by the window. Right? You just see darkness. You don't see anything else. So, of course, Steve is somehow able to knock the uh baby off of the roof uh and i'm not sure why again why steve is just so good at fighting this baby and we get more of those ridiculous baby sounds and from that point we start getting a little more baby cam as we see it's actually chasing after the rv back inside the rv the professor he starts to talk about how rough the road is actually getting i don't know if i killed it but i knocked it clear just hope this road leads somewhere. What are you talking about? Well, look at it. It's getting narrower and rougher as we go. He said it got rougher. Much rougher, and this rig isn't going to make it. One thing's for sure. I sure as hell don't want to turn around. So they get to a point that they can't travel any further because the RV is just not going to make it. They stop. They go to assess the damages that are outside. And Jean, she decides that she wants to go, well, they all say, hey, Jean, why don't you go freshen up? Because she got a lot of Daryl's blood on her. I didn't see the baby, you know, when it bit Daryl, it sprayed it all over. It didn't really seem like that happened. But I guess it did because her clothes are completely covered in blood. And it happened at some point. So she runs uh, to, well, they tell her, go get fresh and go take a shower. And when uh, Jackie, she's going to go with her. She's going to go with her, huh? Hmm. Might not be a bad... Yeah, Jackie, you need to go with Jean, and you need to make sure that she's okay. And make sure she washes all the right... uh, I mean, make sure that she's safe and that nothing's going to come after her. Because I know she's very shaky, and she might need help with washing those nice, supple... I mean, uh, 
watching the outside of the door, making sure nobody gets in. Of course, Jean decides, hey, no, I need to go do this by myself. And then I get very disappointed until she shows her ass to the camera. And then I feel a little better at that point, to be honest with you. Uh, and uh, we get baby cam again and we get baby creeping on Jean. Now, this is not what I want to see. Uh, and this is also the fourth time that I've written in my notes, that baby cam, though. Uh, this is so ridiculous. And at the same time, I worry that they're going to do something with the baby and her being naked that I do not want them to do. And luckily, they never do. And uh, all I have to say is rebirth, and you'll think you'll know exactly what I was thinking of. So, the baby, we get her in the shower, and... She's bathing, and uh, there's no, I'm not saying, there's butt, but there's no nudity, right? She's perfectly, like, blocking herself off. Uh, And honestly, I think there's a body double that comes in at points, uh, because the next scene is so fucking ridiculous, and it is probably my favorite fucking scene in the movie, or sequence in the movie, just because of what goes on and how it fucking ends. So, Jean, she's taking a shower, and she keeps looking back and forth, back and forth, because she's a little nervous, and then the baby comes, and the baby presses itself, kind of like in Bride of Chucky, when Chucky pushes himself against the uh, shower curtain. Uh, You get kind of that, except for you don't see Chucky visible, or I should say the demon child visible through the screen, but she does look down and see it, And then we get another, like, ten seconds of the baby doing the same thing. And then she reacts. Like, she sees it. She knows it's there. She's looking down on it. And when she reacts and she screams, nobody hears her fucking scream, for one. And two, she has an epic battle with the baby. This is one of the only other times where we see the baby and and the guy struggle, besides Daryl. Which I didn't really mention because it's not as... It's not as hilarious as this scene with Gene. It was pretty bad. You see the baby. You see him grab it up to his neck. And he's obviously holding it there and moving it back and forth. And he gets thrown out. But this is so ridiculous because the baby, like, starts gnawing at her leg. And that's where it starts. And then he, like, goes up to her butt. And he starts gnawing on her butt because her butt's so nice and plump and it's a juicy double. So he's got to have a bit of that bubble. Uh, and he's gotta keep biting on it, and then he moves up to her boobs, and he starts biting on her boobs, and she's trying to, like, fight it off still. You don't see anything, but you know where she's at, and then he goes down her stomach to what looks like he's gonna start biting her vag, and I'm not okay with that one. Uh, and that's where I started having those rebirth thoughts. Is he actually going to crawl up inside of her to be born again? And luckily, no. He just keeps attacking her. But they keep having these reaction shots. Here's the person fighting it off. Here's her face. Here's the person fighting it off again. Oh, the baby's biting this point. And it's just obviously such a fucking doll. Uh, and it's just kind of wiggling back and forth. And she's like smacking at it. And she's giving the faces. And then eventually the baby is is biting her stomach but then she's got she's like face first against the wall with scratches all down her back supposedly well it's more like just blood coloring that's been put onto her back and the baby is supposedly still attacking her from the front but she's dying from the back and <laughs> the jumps between them are so fucking hilarious that i just They are obviously like the first or maybe the second take of what was going on. And then when she dies, she falls 
face forward out of the tub, kind of like Psycho, right? She goes there and she like, she doesn't necessarily pull down the shower curtains, but she definitely is hanging over the outside of the tub, which I'm like, okay, you know, that's fine. You know, there's no issue with there. The problem is, is everybody outside decides that Jackie needs to go and check up on Jean because Jean's been in there quite a long time. And that's not the problem. The problem comes when Jackie actually walks into the shower room where Jean is. We see that she's now crawled up in the corner of the shower like a crying babe, but she's dead. And that's fucking bullshit because she fell over the outside of the fucking shower tub whatever the fuck it is she wasn't in the corner so the baby go like hey no you can't die that way i'm gonna put you up against the side of the thing because that's the only fucking way that this thing could happen right there's no other way how how does she die in that position if she fell outside the tub and then she died we just saw her fucking die now she's dying in something else ah it's just so bad that it drives me fucking crazy so we fade from that and we have everybody now we've only got four people left we've got jackie we got steve we got karen and we got the professor and they decide hey it's time to leave i say we leave now i don't see any point in waiting jackie i want to go home all right let's get out of here What is it, the battery? No, it's not the battery, it's new. Get, get, come on. Come on. You better check it out. You can't go out there. So far, it hasn't had any trouble getting in when it wants to. If we don't get out of here soon, we don't have a chance. Okay, so there's going to be a couple things coming up that we're going to talk about that relate to other parts of the film. And that I don't fucking get because the lore behind whatever this thing fears is fucking ridiculous. But of course, in this situation... The car all of a sudden now doesn't start. So I guess the baby kind of knows the workings of modern day vehicles and can kind of fuck with the engines and transmissions and whatever the fuck is going on, right? Uh, so of course, Steve's going to go out there and Professor, the old man, is going to go with him. Why doesn't he just stay behind and then let either Gene or fucking Karen go with him and make sure that he does everything that he needs to do, right? Because they're a lot more spry and they're a lot more able. And no, it's because the women they need to sit together. So, of course, Steve and the professor decide that they're going to go outside, which leads Jackie to be contemplative about what's going on. They're going? They have to go check the engine. Then we can leave. I don't want them to go. They'll be right back. I'm not going anywhere. None of us are going anywhere. I'm sure they can get it running. It doesn't want us to leave. There's one of it and four of us. Oh, hey, she can count. There's, yeah, two gone. There were six. Now there's only four. Outside, we see Steve and the professor, and they figure out that he's kind of cut the lines of the damn RV, so that thing ain't going anywhere. They decide a little later on, and I believe it's the next morning after they figure, you know, everything out, that they need to split up, and somebody needs to go to the rest stop and go get help, because supposedly he's got a truck there. Steve can't go because Steve's all fucked up. And the person that they decide to send, well, here, I'll let them all talk about it. I don't think we should split up. There has to be another way. I don't think we have any other options. Okay, I don't like this either. Look, 
You're in no shape to go on a long hike, and Jackie isn't either. I'm the only option. Hey, I am standing right here. Hey, don't you even think about it, okay? That's not gonna happen. I have 30 years on you. Do you want to see who can run the 100 faster? It's not about that. That's not the point. Besides, I got you all into this. So say you make it back to the main road. What then? You'll be lucky to see a car in a week. So the plan is our buddy at the roadside shop? There's not much choice. There are choices. They just all suck. Look, I need you here with me, okay? Jackie needs you. I don't want you out there all alone. How do we know it's safe out there? Even the flashlights freaked it out. Okay, I don't think it could take really bright light. Okay, so it basically can't travel during the daylight. But he's saying that flashlights bother the fucking demon child. What? The the fucking thing was inside the RV! Wow. What, what, how is a flashlight brighter than all the lights on at the same time inside of the RV? That makes no fucking sense. Maybe because it's supposed to be a little more concentrated coming out of that little point to put it right in its face. Maybe that's it. Maybe. I could, again, maybe give you that. But honestly, you're inside the RV where all the lights are fucking on. I mean, I know you're trying to save money in your movie and making everything so fucking dark, but... (laughs) this makes no sense the other thing is send the girl okay it takes you an hour or maybe you've only been driving for a little bit of time you're not very far it's maybe a couple miles away two or three miles she can definitely make it because what's gonna happen to the old man if it's so fucking hot he's not gonna be able to make it with the amount of water that you're probably able to give him because right now you don't have a whole lot of water you've come to talk about that and they argue, argue, argue. Oh, no, you have to stay with me because you're a fucking woman. That's why you need to stay, okay? No other reasons. I can't let you out of my sight because I guess I have some bullshit thing where I care about you. Yet, you're the strongest fucking character in this entire fucking movie. And the honestly, she is the best actor actress out of the entire fucking cast. And no matter what the character or the actor that played Daryl says, I do kind of like Jackie as well, too. She's got her moments. So... Out of everything, they decide, okay, well, we're going to send the old man to go out there and die from fucking exhaustion and make sure that they don't get back in time. Uh, it's it's just fucking stupid. It's stupid. What? Uh. So, of course, he goes out, and what does he do? He starts getting all hot and bothered, and he can't quite make the walk, and then he runs across a dead body who happens to be Daryl's. And he buries Daryl's body. He uses the last ounces of his own strength to make sure he makes a rock grave for Daryl. Meanwhile, back at the RV, they all decide that they can't leave Gene inside the RV because it's going to get hot and it's going to smell soon. So they're going to put her inside her own stone burial plot. Uh, And... Okay, so they have the time to bury, but not the time to do anything else. All of them, for daylight, they could have all fucking left, too. They didn't have to just go out, but they decided, oh, we don't have enough water, so we can only send one person at a time. I guess that kind of makes sense, but honestly, if it's not that far away, and you guys can watch each other, I'd rather deal with the fact that it's a couple hours to walk to back to the rest stop, instead of sending the guy that's probably the weakest out of everybody to do this important thing. Of course... Back with the Arvine, uh, Jackie wonders if Bryce is ever going to be coming back. He should be at the store by now. How long do you think it'll be before we get help? 
It's hard to say. I'm betting the guy was lying about the truck, so we could see it any time now. Do you think he'd come back for us before he went and got help? If he thought he could make it back before dark, maybe. How long before we see our friend? I don't know. The sun's gone now, so he could show up any time. So from this point, we flash back over to the professor, and we get baby cam, and of course, what happens? The baby goes and beats the shit out of the old man, kills him, because, dude, you waste all your energy burying your friend. I get it. You might want to think about that, but you got to think about your survival first, then think about what the proper thing to do with dead bodies is, right? So you fucked yourself, you died, I don't feel sorry for you at all. After we see poor Professor, well not poor, stupid Professor decide to let himself be killed, we go back in the RV and of course they're talking about the baby and what it is. And that gets Jackie thinking about, hey, can that baby actually die? to stay positive it's left us alone maybe it's over i heard it maybe it died i don't think it can die everything dies we die it's not like us it's still alive it can die not like we think of death remember jean when we first saw the egg she knew it was evil from the moment she saw it the rest of us were writing research papers in our heads think about it I felt it too felt what that it was old Jackie goes on to say that she thinks that it's older than time which really that's kind of bullshit writing to be honest with you at least in my opinion I know exactly what they're trying to convey it's more of like she's having a feeling that automatically that it's evil right but then to go thing like oh it's so old I can feel it has to be older than time. Like, that's such a, a contrived and overused like type of line when it comes to something that's so old and ancient that you don't understand what it is. I'm okay, I mean, I'm okay with the message. I just wish that the writing was a little better for that at that point. Now, at this point in the movie, we keep cutting back to the other Native American guy that he we had seen earlier in the film from the rest stop. And he keeps doing stuff. He keeps going, looks like he's going back to wherever the eggs are, and then he comes back to his home. And then it comes back to everybody over the RV. They all decide that, hey, you know what? We need to actually get the hell out of here, and we need to figure out how to escape from this baby. What are you doing? You crazy out there. If it wants in, it'll find a way. You don't have to crawl into the line saying it sticks your head in its mouth. Look, it doesn't like bright light. Okay, take the flashlight. If anything moves, shine a light on it. I'd rather shine a machine gun at it. Well, if you have one, why don't you bring it along? Next trip. I don't think we'll ever get you out of the lab after this. We won't. I was and it's at this point that the baby actually cuts the lights to the RV. Okay, now you're fucking doing things different than you have before in your fucking film. Before, it didn't give a shit about the lights inside of the RV. Now it's cutting the lights out because, one, it's trying to fucking scare them. And, two, it probably is going to use that to fucking go in and attack them. In fact, Jackie realizes what it's doing right away. This isn't possible. How could it? Why would it? It wants to scare us more fun when the babbit is frightened. They run faster and shake harder when you catch them. We're not rabbits. Tell it to her friend. He seems to beg to differ. 
I think it wants all our heads over its mantle. You keep talking like it's intelligent. Okay, even if it was, it's not even 24 hours old. Okay, no one can reason at that age. Humans can't. It isn't human if you haven't noticed. You said something stopped them before. There must be a way of killing it. Don't count on it. Why not? If they could be killed, why is this one still around? <laughs> why indeed is it still around? Oh, come on. That line too. Oh, it's not human if you haven't noticed. Like, no. No, I never fucking noticed. I did fuck. I mean, it's got horns. It's brown. It's fucking, like, killing all my friends relatively quick. No, I never fucking noticed. No. no. I thought it was human the whole time. I think it's just a regular old fucking baby, and it's just, you know, it's fucking hungry, so it's gotta kill something to and drink blood if it can't drink the breast milk of whatever it was born from, right? Right? Uh, then we also get, after this, though, we do get one of my favorite lines, and I just didn't feel like it was good enough. Not good enough, but worth it enough for me to pull down the audio for the thing where they're about to leave, all three of them together, and he says, everybody ready? And then Jackie says, no, but let's go anyway. I think that sums up a lot of this film, and that's actually one of the better written lines uh, in this movie that made me laugh, and not just something that was so ridiculous that it ended up being funny. So they go outside, and they start fighting with the baby. Steve Steve is like a magnet for this fucking thing. So they start, him and Karen start kind of fighting with him. Jackie looks around, looks around, looks around, and then she gets the fuck out of there and manages to run away down the road and is kind of chased by the baby, I think at this point, while Steve and Karen go the other way. Uh, it's so dark that I can't figure out how she knows where she's going, but she happens to go to the tunnel that we saw at the beginning of the film and start walking or well, crawling down that tunnel. Uh, eventually, she gets caught up, and uh, the baby starts chewing on her legs, and then she gets pulled out of frame, and we go back over to Karen and uh, Steve, who are still running. And Karen wonders, how far did Jackie get away from them? We can't just leave her out there. You hear that? We still have a chance if we keep our heads. Do we? If we stay here, no, no chance. How fast can you move? Pretty fast. See, Steve's got the right idea. Jackie, she just fucking left. She could have helped, and she could have stayed with you guys and helped make sure that everybody got away. But she got so scared that she just ran off on her own. So she's fucked. Just leave her alone. There's only one way that you guys are going to survive, and that's by going out there by yourself and fucking dealing with it. So they, again, Steve gets attacked by the baby. He only goes after fucking Steve or she. I don't know if it, it's a gender neutral demon baby, okay? It could be a he, could be a she. I'm assuming it's a he because I thought I saw a penis at some point. But honestly, it starts going after Steve once again, and then Jackie comes in and she actually wards it off using the knife that she's got, which leads her to the revelation that... It's a knife. It's afraid of the knife. Why the knife? It's like Jackie said. It's not the first time they've been here. Something's fought them before and won. We're talking magic here. Arthur C. said science sufficiently advanced what appears magic. Then again, why not magic? As long as it works. So again, Steve and Karen, they start going on the run, and they're being chased down by the baby. The baby again gets Steve, and while he's trying to hold it off, Karen throws the sword at him, 
and it scares the baby off, but it gets stuck in the ground really, really bad. And then they both have to try work together to get it out, which causes Steve again to think about what's up with that knife. I don't get it. Get what? It's pretty heavy, and you threw it pretty hard, but not hard enough to bury it two feet in the ground. I was kind of thinking the same thing myself. There's something more to it than just killing demons. Why hasn't it hurt you or me? If I had to guess, I'd say it's because we're closely related. The giants and us are related. So whatever it is that makes it deadly to demons doesn't affect evolved apes. Okay, so this is now getting into video game writing territory. I swear this is some, like, RPG that I've played before where they're going to try to talk and explain why these two factions don't like each other, and it's because we're closer related to apes than we are to the demons, so we got to make sure that we kill everybody. Like, that's, like, the logic that we got here, okay? The giants are somehow related to us. Maybe they were a former version of us and how we used to live in the world, but of course, that can't quite be it, but... The, the knife has demon-killing properties, but totally protects ape-like beings against death from that knife. This is just getting ridiculous. And it's also getting so fucking dark that you can't tell what the fuck is going on. Like, they're, they're obviously in the middle of the desert because you see the landscape, and when it's dark in the desert, you cannot see shit. All you see is the little bit of lighting that's in front of them. And I understand that it's probably from the YouTube video that I got, but I remember this being so goddamn dark and so goddamn fucking ridiculous that you... You just can't quite tell the action that's going on. Especially again when Steve once again gets attacked by the god. Why doesn't the baby attack Karen? Why doesn't he do anything to her? Of course not. He gets attacked so big that he says, Man, I think I can see my ribs. It feels like he caught out a couple of ribs. Another second and he would have ripped out my throat. Open your shirt. Uh, it is bad. Yeah, well, it feels bad. Yeah, I think I can see bone in a few places. I can't take any more bad news. Do you think you can stand? I think so. So at this point, you need to take Steve's fucking advice, and you just need to leave me fucking behind, because the only way that you're going to survive is if Steve gets eaten by the goddamn baby. And... You can't see anything. He supposedly attacks so bad that you can see bone and ribs, but it's so goddamn dark that you can't see anything. Also, Jackie shows back up. I thought she was a fucking zombie. No, she only shows up to stumble, stumble, fucking fall so that she dies so that the, it can be a distraction because Steve falls over again. And what happens? What happens again? Steve gets attacked by the goddamn baby once again. This time, he at least fucking dies to the baby. And she manages to kill it. And it's like slowly decomposes and shit like that. But honestly, after the third fucking time that this baby attacked this motherfucker, you leave him behind. You don't fucking stand there and just go like, Oh, hey, well, you know, I guess I have feelings for Steve here. Or some shit that you never fucking established. Like... <sighs> It's so frustrating. Everything about this is really frustrating. And Steve is officially dead at this point. So she manages to get away and she manages to get back to the shack. 
or rest stop or shop where the fuck it is i'm almost done with this fucking movie okay so she gets back to the place and then she bum rushes is in there uh and holds the poor guy that we met in the beginning of the film and he, she holds that knife up to his throat even though it won't you know kill him but you know she thinks that it's gonna do something to him You'd be dead before you got there. This knife may not have been meant to kill humans, but I bet with just a little encouragement, I could do more than slit your throat. You so too, don't you? It knows what you've done. And she sees over there that there's boxes filled with eggs that looks like he's like FedExing them to a bunch of different people. Maybe he's going to send them all over the world. Is he really the bad guy of this film? Uh, was his father one of the bad guys? We don't know because <clears throat> this is all popping up right fucking now when there's about 15 fucking minutes left to this movie. So everybody that she knows is dead. He's been doing something with the eggs too, which we've been seeing during these really weird cutscenes. She somehow also knew to make a rune uh, to protect the bodies of Steve and Jackie before she went and protect or came after this guy. And I just... I don't get it. So he says, fine, I will take you to where you, what you want to see. But know that my grandfather, who happens to be the old man from the beginning of the movie, is one of the last people that knew what to do. And so they're walking along the way. And of course, this is where his acting really fucking shines. Where he forgets lines. He just goes through what it is. And he tries to be snarky, but he can't quite do it. And it's here. Just listen. We can always turn back. I could use the exercise. Just remember, if this is a wild goose chase, only one of us is coming back. I want to show you. Not to save your life, but to delay what is to come. You, you'll die anyway. You can't hide. I don't get it. Why in the world? Mad at the government? Bad marriage? Most people would grab the nearest rifle and head for a clock tower. We're a plague of the world. Really? Is that what you would do? Hey, let me ask you something. Okay, this is going to go directly to to restart here. Uh, Would you, if you were mad at somebody, would you go directly to a clock tower and just start fucking shooting people? Please, let me know if you got really angry or upset or something. Because that's what normal people do, according to this fucking movie. Normal people go out and start doing mass fucking shootings. But not this film. You know, (laughs) they release demons instead. It's so ridiculous. I know it's trying to be funny, but that's not fucking funny. Kind of, but it's just stupid. It's just stupid. So he uh, continues dragging her along along this road and basically taking her back to where she used to be. Closer to the RV than we originally thought. They come across like a burial ground and he shows that there's somebody that's related to him that's basically there. She's my daughter children die not like her my wife died giving birth to her she lived for weeks so weeks she couldn't eat drink just wasted away she wasn't normal they said it was the mines polluted the water so bad they couldn't believe she lived as long as she did stripped the land bare then 
left us to die. She's the last, our only hope. I said he was powerful. He was her grandfather. I know how to kill them. He failed. You'll understand soon enough. Okay, so now we're getting to this environmental message, like, right at the end of the movie. So, basically, humanity has fucked itself because it cared more about making the profits and doing the stuff inside the mines than it did at protecting the Native American home ground here that would save everybody from the demons that are possibly coming up here because it kills the young girl that could be the last savior of everything. The stupid cow things from the beginning of the movie all of a sudden come back and Karen knows how to say Kali Ma or where the fuck the word was and is able to drive them back. And of course, she's so fucking cocky that and it keeps going down the cycle. Here, listen to another one of these conversations in between the two of them. How did she know? I read a lot. The language. It's supposed to be the older surviving. Maybe pre-human. It is, isn't it? It's the language of the ancient. Won't save you where we're going. So he always seems to end every conversation that they have with some type of like snarky like, well, you're fucked anyway. Like, hey, I can't believe that you did. Instead of being like, hey, she actually knows some things about her culture and she knows some of the words and stuff, and maybe she could be a savior. Instead of it's a, well, it's great that you know this, but <laughs> you're fucked anyway. And they just this every single thing so they go next they show the ruins in the temple and she can't believe it oh my god everything here everything that she's heard in the stories it's true they were the ancient ones they taught us language and how to work metal the ancients were wiser and more powerful than men if they were so powerful then why are they all dead they few survived till men crawled out of the earth most died in the Great War. It took all their power to defeat them in the old times. All their power is lost. My father was the last to remember even a little of the old knowledge. Now, he's gone. I killed it by myself. Maybe they weren't as tough as you think they were. You'll see. Okay, first off, Karen, you're too fucking cocky. You only killed one and took five people to fucking die before you actually killed that person. Two, uh, who did they fight? Did they fight man or did they fight fucking uh, the demon things? Like the demons? He said man came from the ground. Do you mean like the demon guys came from the ground instead? Because I don't get it. Who killed who off? We we have these giants, supposedly, and they taught at least the Native American tribes or the humans, is what I was meant to believe, everything about, like, the cultures and the different things that they've done. And then he says, well, then men came up from the ground and men... Like, you're putting all these... You're just putting shit together to get to the end of your fucking movie. And you're creating too many different parts to your fucking lore of your fucking universe that you're putting in in the last ten fucking minutes. Why didn't we hear any of this stuff? Why wasn't any of the rumors or legends or any shit talked about by the professor or Karen who's been reading up on the shit? Why didn't she say anything? Instead, all we got was fucking little baby killing everything. And it wasn't even that fucking good. So angry. Uh, finally he does and he takes her over to the hidden place 
and talks to her some more there. How is this possible? Someone would have found this by now. This is one of the hidden places. Men were never meant to find them. They're protected like the burial grounds. I can spend a whole lifetime excavating this one site. It wouldn't help. See, again, he's basically... (laughs) Oh, it's not going to work. Well, why isn't it going to work? Why can't you tell me why it's going to work? And it's because of the ending of this film. So they go into where the seal was broken, and they start going into the caves. And she's like, wow, maybe this is a cave. And it's like, honestly, you fucking stupid. You're in a fucking cave. That's a fucking cave. Like, what else could it be? Is it, it does it look like a normal hallway to you? Does it, what, what, what is it? What is it? Look, I see stalactites and stalagmites. That must mean it's obviously a fucking cave. It's not just like some random room that you can walk into. (sighs) And then we now get to see why our dear old friend, our worst actor of the film, as he explains to her what this is. And then we get the end credits which I am not going to spoil for you because you have to listen to what the ending actually is. It's not possible! They couldn't for all their power kill them all. The ancients trapped them here. They sat waiting to be born. The ancients could only delay the inedible. The seal is broken. And they'll look soon. Very soon. Caves go for miles. The whole mountain is rotten with caves. Caves full of eggs. <laughs> the end of the world. There's so many. And that is 666, The Demon Child. Do you like those ending credits? That was just fucking eggs hatching open. And then the demon noises and the baby noises all being put over there. Again, that guy was having fun with that soundboard again. Crack, crack, crack. Oh, need a baby noise here. Need a demon noise there. Crack, eggs, go. This sounds great. Not going to put any music. We're just going to do all this stupid shit. Like, honestly. So, everything in this movie was fucking pointless. Because the ending just makes everything that's happened useless. Even when she comes back and you learn all this lore and there's just, there's no way to stop what's going to happen. And so basically you're fucked. That's why he was acting the way that he was to her the entire length of the end of the film. So that's it. I really can't say anything more that I haven't already said. It's just... The, the acting is so terrible. And and honestly, Steve and Karen are kind of good, but Steve's kind of giving his best Keanu Reeves. Uh, and Karen, she picks up a little more towards the end, but they really have nothing to do. I mean, there's no real 
easy way to have this written for either character. Like, they really... None of the characters, not your protagonists, not anybody, they're just written poorly in very... I won't even call it one-dimensional. It's like half a dimension, to be honest with you. It's just terrible. Uh, I understand that maybe if they had more time, they had a better budget, they could do some things with more technologically advanced stuff, better animatronics, better puppets... Whatever they wanted to do, you could have a more convincing thing. But still, the pacing and the story itself is kind of shitty. Because you're basically just watching people get killed to the point that it doesn't matter whether or not they got killed. Because everybody dies in the end anyway. And the world's going to end. That's your big climax of the movie. Is that there's no way to stop this from happening. Because there's just too many of them. And how have they been producing? You know, is there some other giant demon female thing that's just shitting out eggs down there or popping them out of some orifice somewhere it's never really explained how that happened but they've been down there for almost a half a million years if we were to believe that the time dating on everything is correct and we just don't know and it sucks you want to have this big reveal at the end of the movie but it really doesn't help your film at all to be completely honest with you so as the movie goes, uh, the gore, it's a one out of five. There's nothing gory in here. There's blood on people. It's its what it is. Crap Factor, it's a five out of five. From the baby to the acting to the bad lighting to the bad sound to the bad everything. Uh, it makes me wish I could have actually found the DVD and watched it to make sure that everything was matched up to what it was instead of spending my time and just watching it on YouTube. It was so bad, I could not watch it uh, on the uh, on the TV that we have. I had to actually watch this on my phone. Because that way it wouldn't get so pixelated. Like, I really wish I had actually found... And for some reason, it's probably in like a storage bin somewhere. I couldn't find my copy of this film. And it really kind of upset me. Though, it's here somewhere. Um, and uh, it's just... It's bad. It's bad overall. The fun factor, um, it's like a two out of five. It's got some... The the two action sequences of fighting with the baby are pretty funny and, and entertaining to watch. There's a couple of bad lines that are really good. Uh, but for the overall, it's just a little bit of a chore to get through. Uh, but I will say that as bad movies go, uh, this one, it doesn't feel like the hour and 30 minutes that it is and it is an hour and 30 minutes almost to the exact point uh and you know you can go through it and be happy with it um and and not really worry about you know wasting your time with the film other than that it's a terrible film uh so overall i give it one and a half uh out of five screaming baby demon monsters baby demon shit monsters is what they really are uh it's it's not really should you watch it uh that's up to you like i said since it's out there on youtube if you really want to experience some parts you can flip around to a couple different points in the movie it's about 40 minutes in that the whole thing with gene and the demon baby in the shower i think that's worth watching just for the laugh factor of it uh, and you can go a little bit before it and watch some of the van stuff. 
Uh, and then the ending where they're walking and kind of going through things. That's the last like 20 minutes of the movie. Uh, you can at least go through. I just wish it spent a little less time on them trying to get away and maybe building up that lore. But with the you know budget that they probably had and the time constraints they had, I can understand why. So, uh, next episode, let's talk about that now. It starts Stephen King Month. And yes, I don't know why I'm doing this to myself again, but I enjoyed doing the Halloween one. And I really, with everybody that was involved with talking about Stephen King movies and bad Stephen King movies, uh, I really decided I can't just bring it down to two episodes. I have to do four. So for the month of March, starting on March 10th of 2017, you are going to get four weeks in a row of Stephen King movies. Now, it's going to suck for me. It's going to be great for you, I hope. Uh, and we're going to start it off with this little one. <laughs> Charles Brady is new in town. You can actually talk to him? Yeah, he's nice. Real nice. The girls all like him. The teachers all respect him. Your teachers in Ohio must have been sorry to lose such a creative young man. The parents all trust him. He's utterly charming. But nobody really knows him. Like his mother. You cannot be in love with this girl. She looks. You don't know me, Tanya. But I want to. Behind their smile is a secret. Hi. Come in, Tanya. I have something for you. I don't know who you are, but I know you're not who you say you are. Behind the secret is a hunger. Does it have to be her? <laughs> and behind it all is the imagination of Stephen King. <laughs> Killed one of my men. He was scared of a cat. Stephen King's Sleepwalkers. Now, this film, I'm going to warn you right away, uh, I have always been a fan of this film. Uh, it was one of my favorite films growing up as a kid. I have not seen it in a very long time, so that might change a little bit. Uh, but this is what kind of got me the idea that I need to do a Stephen King month, because I actually found that this movie is available on Amazon Prime with a Prime account. And I think it's available on Netflix, too. It might be. Uh, I would double check it. It's definitely for rent available on YouTube. It's, uh, I think it's two ninety nine if you want to rent it from there. Um, it is. Uh, there are so many other movies that we're we're only looking at four, and I really wish I could look at more. But I don't want to do two months of Stephen King movies. I only want to do four weeks, and that's what we're doing. So it's only one month that we're going to get through. But we do have two of the movies are also known, and. Um, it, but when they're going to come out, uh, you're not going to necessarily know when, until they do. But the f the first one is going to be Sleepwalkers. And then uh, the other two movies that are on the docket are Maximum Overdrive and uh, the one I don't want to do, Dreamcatcher. Because 
we did hit 600 followers between the time that uh, the last episode aired uh, before this one and, uh, you know, Stephen King month began. So I said, hey, go ahead and tell me what you want. Uh, and because I am a man of the people, uh, Dreamcatcher was the one that was chosen. Uh, it is absolutely terrible, um, and I'm dreading going through that movie again. <clears throat> so, But there is a way for you guys, the fans, uh, to pick the last movie that will be reviewed within the month. So uh, after this episode has been released, um, you want to go to facebook.com slash terrible terror podcast or you can also go on to twitter twitter.com slash t underscore t underscore podcast and there should be a post uh i believe i'm going to put a poll on twitter uh but there will be a post on the facebook page and i will have listed the other movies that i want to look at there's going to be five in total and you can vote on either location if you even want to go, there, there is an Instagram, and I might put this up on Instagram as well, uh, and that is Terrible Terror Podcast on Instagram. Uh, you can go there, and you can also look at, at the post, and if you decide that's the way you want to vote, I will take it. But you've got to vote either in the poll or post on one of those two posts for your vote to count. Don't just message me. Don't just uh, mention me in a comment somewhere. Please post on that so that I can tally everything up, and I can figure what the fourth movie for Stephen King month is going to be. But the known ones for you guys. And we're starting again with Sleepwalkers. Maximum Overdrive. Dreamcatcher. And what will that fourth movie be? Uh, there is one movie that I am planning to end the month with. Uh, out of the other two. Uh, and you'll just have to wait to see which one that is. So <clears throat> as always I thank you uh, Richard. Or Richard. Uh, as it's much easier to say, or The Fear Merchant, uh, for suggesting this movie, being the 500th follower, uh, please check out his podcast. It's called The Bizarre Cast, um, and that's available on SoundCloud. You can search for there, or go to my Twitter or onto his Twitter, at The Fear Merchant, uh, to go and look. It's a very good series. He interviews different people. Uh, I believe he just did one with a synthwave artist that I need to listen to, and that's his seventh episode. So please give him a, a look uh, and a listen, and uh, I would greatly appreciate it, and I greatly appreciate the support that he's given this podcast. Uh, and always remember, every time with Twitter, whenever I hit 100 followers, you get to tell me what movie I need to review next. So we're on our way to 700 as of this episode. So if we hit 700, whoever is the 700th that's not a bot, uh, <laughs> they can help me review a movie for this podcast, and it'll be within there. Uh, we might also have a bonus episode coming up within the next few weeks. Um, I'm just trying to figure out the logistics with doing these episodes and doing that because i'd like to do that as a bonus as well so maybe you get a new episode on the third that's not stephen king but stephen king month does start on the 10th so thanks again and i'll talk to you next time bye <laughs>